even though this is America's best, um, he's going to rise to the top. And and honestly, me and Jason Primer always talk about it. You know, if you're a top level guy and you come from the world championship, nobody really has home field advantage. These guys learn tracks so quick and they understand things so quick that. Episode 133, Tank Slap Podcast. Got a really, really good one for you guys today. Special treat. It's our first ever Rewind Moto America podcast. So we've been doing the American Flat Track Rewind Pods. And obviously, I was in in Atlanta all weekend, Moto America. And we're going to do a Rewind for Moto America. And on the other side of the mic, I got my co-host for the night, Mr. James Rispoli. What's up, dude? Not too much, man. Drove, burned the midnight oil last night to get home, and yeah, played 18 today before it's uh, started getting, it's kind of messy outside, but the grass is growing with some rain, so we're just sitting here tucked up and excited for this one. This thing, this is going to be pretty good. I'm I'm pretty excited because I watched a lot of the racing, and um, I, I really do like uh, Road Atlanta, so I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what we got on the Rewind show. Yeah, it's going to be good, man. I appreciate you taking the time. I think it'll be some really good insight. Obviously, you were on the track all weekend in the bagger class. I was up in the tower 95% of the time and the action. And we'll talk about that dynamic a little bit. I want to make sure we shout out Mission Foods for supporting the podcast. I saw Mr. G up in the VIP pretty much all weekend walking around. He was loving it. Mission Foods, really stoked to have them on board supporting Moto America, American flat track. They do drag racing. They support our podcast. Keep us going. So shout out to mission foods and also want to give a shout out to bell power sports. Check out bellhelmets.com to view their, to view their full line of products. If you start tank slapping, you want to be protected by bell. Uh, yeah, man. So obviously up in the tower race control, I was up there for most of the weekend, kind of helping them, uh, helping them out up there with just additional insight on some of the calls, things like that. I did get to come down a little bit and enjoy some of the on-track action, but it was very minimal. And I've never been the road Atlanta. It's my first time there. I got to ride out on the truck a little bit on Thursday. I'm sorry, Friday with the uh, track inspection before you guys started practicing qualifying. So I got to see that firsthand. And I was like, the first time I came down T12 to that right onto the start finish, I was like, oh my gosh, this is really, really steep. And that last corner is really tight. So I think that was what I was looking forward to the most. And where I was sitting on the front stretch, we had perfect seats for for turn 12. And it's a really cool facility, like you said. Yeah, definitely, man. Like it, the undulation there is, it's very difficult to see on TV. Uh, the first sector, you go into kind of an a flat off bank into a super cambered uphill right through the super tight uh twisty s's down the hill into a very one line turn five all over the curbs and then back into uh i think another banked corner and then leads you onto the back straightaway you've got a big pink wide open into a downhill sixth gear to second gear um, breaking zone where we saw a ton of passing and then you go left, right up over the hill, like you said, into a huge, uh, downhill breaking. And I think this year, the most I've ever seen, 
uh, passes into turn 12. I've never really seen a ton of passes in 12. And this year we had a lot in the baggers in Superbike, in super sport. Like it was like a passing opportunity where you, if you go to the top, like you said, and you look down there, you're like, there's zero chance you can make it, but people were doing it. And it, the, the racing was super exciting for me. Yeah. I mean, I've seen a lot of comments. Some of these races were some of the best races the fans have seen in a very long time. And that super bike race too, was for a lot of people, they were saying I was down in the media center after that race. And Paul Carruthers said it was one of the best races he's seen. I think, I don't know if he said 10 years, at least 10 years or something. I, was, I mean, it, dude, it's gotta be 10 years. You gotta remember back in like quick little rewind here. I mean, you had Suzuki dominate and then Yamaha dominate. And there's never really been close racing in Superbike uh, all the way back from Aladdin. It was like he dominated, Spees dominated, Hayes Bont dominated. And then you had like Roger Hayden, this, that. But everybody's dominated. And to see race two Superbike like a super sport race or a Moto 3 race with the top four guys uh, – in there and to see him bumping on a lot. I mean, dude, it was wild. I, I would fully agree with what Paul said. I think it's the best race I've seen since I've been in road racing since my time in super sport. Wow. Yeah. That's definitely, it's definitely saying something you guys have seen a lot of races. So I kind of want to go through, I want to go through the classes and uh, for some insight, like up in race control, we can't hear the announcers. We can't hear the riders. Like we pretty much have the screens, obviously the radios, everything we need to kind of run the event, direct the event, make the calls, but we don't hear like Roger Lee, the commentators, we don't hear any of that. So based on, you know, the info that I'm giving or what I saw, it's mainly just watching the races on mute pretty much. And, and, uh, you know, what goes on in race control. So, uh, basically we're going to run through each class. We'll probably bounce around a little bit, just the, the nature of the beast. We're, we're, we're not professionals at, at this by any means, but yeah, here we are, man. Stock 1000 day one, I guess we'll run through day one and day two stock 1000, man. I don't know. I don't know a heck of a lot about Ezra Bobier. I know he's Cam's little brother and the little bit I've talked to him over the years, he's always been super cool and he's kind of been the underdog brother, obviously. I mean, it's hard to follow up what Cam does um, in his career and I didn't know Ezra never even podiumed. Like I thought he had podiumed the race, but what they were telling me is he's never been on the podium. And honestly, this was a dominating weekend for him. He looked in control from the start. And I, yeah, I mean, pretty much day one, I, he kind of slowly checked out. Um, it was really cool to see the emotion of him taking the win and just kind of <laughs> dominated the race. His first win couldn't have won any better, won any better. Uh, Travis Wyman was second, Jeff May third, uh, Caleb DeCarroll was fourth. I mean, it was really good racing, man. I don't know how much of that first day you saw, but, um, or any insight on that race from you, but it was, it was really exciting. There's a lot of new players in that class, but there's definitely like the top four. They were, I think that most of them were in it last year. I think Caleb's new to that class. Uh, he mainly did twins cup last year, but yeah, it was a really exciting race and it, it opened it up. Corey, Corey Alexander obviously moved up to Superbike, So we're going to have a new champion in that class this year. Uh, and it was, dude, it, it was, it's, it's going to be a good season in that class. Yeah. So little backstory on Ezra Bobier. He, he came up, he was riding a lot 
behind uh, Cameron coming up the ranks. And then he kind of like sidelined it, I think, for a couple of years and got back going late as Cameron was in Superbike and doing his thing, kind of got back going in the in Southern California and in Cali there, getting back into like uh, outlaw races and whatnot. And then we saw him come back onto the Moto America scene on a BMW, uh, do some things there and was pretty quick, this, that, and the other. And had a really good season last year, um, was knocking on the door. And then this year they got linked up him and DeCaro with the, this gentleman in Chicago, very well-funded team. They've got brand new bikes, essentially what Corey was on last year. The, uh, alpha BMWs, very, very good package. They obviously have a lot of the data from last year from Corey where they can plug and play a lot of that stuff with electronics. So they're, they're up to speed super quick. And Ezra, I mean, just like you said, he dominated both days was in control. Anytime he got passed, he came back by. And actually I got to say the real, uh, I would say underrated guy is the Carol. I did not expect him to be that quick out of the gates. I thought he would take some time jumping on the thousand. He's been in on the Twins Cup deal for a long time. He's, a, I think he's a past champion there. And I, I, I expected him to actually take a few races to kind of get up to speed. So he really surprised me. Um, Travis Wyman didn't surprise me one bit. I, I figured he's going to be at the front. I think he had a couple little issues early on in the weekend. And then Jeff May, I mean, this is his last race this is his home race. And it was really cool to see him finish out with two podiums there and, and to end his career. So like you said, it's going to be cool to have a new champion. Um, the racing was really good. It was tight at the front, uh, especially on day two, they didn't really let Ezra go. I don't, I don't believe, or maybe he was gone. And then there was a, a little group behind him fighting. And actually the big surprise for me, Hayden Gillum having problems. He's kind of been touted as the guy to be for this year. He was the one who ran with Corey all last year, breaking lap records at every race with him and pushing Corey and to see him struggle this weekend with some bike problems and uh, not be there in both races was very surprising for me. Yeah, and I'll agree. And I think, I mean, he looked good right out, right out of the gate on uh, Friday for for the practice and qualifying. And he had a really weird. He like tucked the front going in. The, I think it was going in the twelve. He tucked the front, and it wasn't like a bad crash. But after that crash, it seemed the he didn't really have. He couldn't get his flow going again, his mojo. So yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, I, I obviously I think he'll he'll bounce back. And the crazy thing about road racing, man, from from my point of view, and it's not as common in flat track, but it's common for these riders, pretty much everybody to have like a bad race or a crash or a mechanical. And you can make those, that points gap up a lot easier in road racing than like flat track. I I've noticed at least, um, you know, a bad race in flat track for a top guy like Briar or Meese, you're pretty much out, like not out, but it's, it's almost dude, it's hard to climb out of that where, road racing, you know, you have two races at pretty much two races every, every weekend, and there's a lot more points up for grabs. So yeah, really good insight there. Uh, Ezra and Caleb they're like you mentioned their teammates, orange cat racing, and we'll talk about race two here in a little bit, but that was, that was cool, man. I was pumped for, for Ezra as a, uh, sibling that gets less attention myself <laughs> from Shana. It's always cool to root for root for kind of like I don't know the underdog sibling a little bit and he's a big kid dude so i think i think that stock 1000 class really fits his body frame very well for 
for how big he is. Um, so anyway, we'll move along to uh junior cup and holy shit, dude. I don't know a lot of these kids. I recognize the names I'm working in mini cup. So looking back at pra- uh, past results in mini cup, I've seen a lot of these names on there. Um, I'm going to butcher some of them. I'm trying, I'm, we're learning these names, a lot of new players though. And junior cup as well. I only know I like two or three of the riders that I even recognized from last season. And the rider who was kind of like caught my eye early was Alessandro De Mario. I don't, I'm pretty sure that's how you pr- pronounce it. He's uh, according to Ken Salon, who was up in the tower with me from the AMA. He won the horizon award. He won the North, Amer- uh, North American talent cup. He's a really, really good rider. I never heard of him until this weekend. He set the bar early by qualifying on the pole. Um, he had some issues in the first race. Uh, I don't know exactly what happened, but I know he DNF that first one. I'll go back here in my notes and check exactly what happened. But uh, Avery Dreyer, he was the the winner. He actually, we'll talk about it, you know, later on. But he won both both races. Uh, Max Van, I recognize that name. I got to talk with him a little bit last year. He's a really big, strong looking athletic kid. I really nice kid. I talked to him last year at VIR and, and he's going to be a contender. That's the first name I noticed when I I looked at these entry lists coming into the weekend, I was like, Oh, you know, Max van, he was, he was a contender. He won races last year and in junior cup, I, you know, he's probably the guy or the favorite going into it just on paper. And then Hayden Bickneese, I've recognized that name as well. I think I've done a resume for him back in back when he was on uh on the mini cup bikes and he was in third um any insight on that james i don't know how much of junior cup you saw the first day or you know like i said we'll talk about race talk about the second day here in a bit but race one i don't know if if there was any surprises i think that was avery's first win is that correct from what i from what i understand yeah i don't so i don't know him um i've heard of demario obviously max van we know from last year he was pushing with uh Wyman and uh Kayla Kayla and they've moved out and so (laughs) he's really the one to win but here's the thing about junior cup it's a like less version of moto three right when when you put it into perspective as you could start 12th on the grid and if you get into that front group you're there for the race and just as so happened I think it's a a very beginner level chess game that these kids are learning how to play early on so there's a lot of uh errors right and just because the kid they're kids they're learning but it's really cool to see that you can have somebody that um just comes in the class and can latch on like a leech and get their first win or you know be running sixth or qualify 12th and not really be there and then just find themselves in this race and if you got the right you're there at the right time and you get the perfect track you're there so i think these races are super cool i think they're super character building i don't know a lot of them riders uh personally but um i think the class is phenomenal and the racing there was was really really good we saw some crazy moves going into 10 it seems like everything generally goes down in 10 and uh it was kind of crazy going into 12 we didn't really know who was going to win the race but um it was it was pretty wild and i think you said uh who's who's the guy who won it uh avery dreyer and i think yeah. he i i think that was his first win i apologize if he's listening or his sponsors but um i did see zoe herring out she was she was his umbrella girl for the weekend i noticed that yeah. so i don't know if he's from from Georgia, the south uh southeast. We'll have to do I'll have to reach out and uh 
and get to know him a little bit, but big weekend for him, man. I mean, that's, that's exciting. I, to win, you know, I double, double wins on the weekend is, is really cool. And I did want to talk about Rossi Moore just because I've heard that name in mini cup. I've, I know he's done some stuff overseas and, uh, I guess he's coming off an injury, but he was a favorite, uh, from what I've heard coming into this weekend, he was the only rider on a KTM. He finished fourth the first day he was there. He wasn't, he, he didn't seem like he was in contention to win, but he was there. He's a big kid too. I, he's a taller kid. I know on the junior cup bikes that can be, uh, that can be a challenge as well as Max van. He's, he seems like a bigger kid as well, but you know, it was, it was cool to watch. Uh, it's like you said, it's, it's exciting. The only thing about road Atlanta I've noticed that takes away from junior cup a little bit and some of the classes in general, there's not really a huge run to the stripe. So pretty much your pass needs to be done going into 12. I don't know if I saw any draft passes going to the line, uh, where obviously tracks like road America and, uh, you know, even VIR, things like that, you can get most of them, you can get a good enough run where you can draft back and forth. And I think the biggest drafting is obviously the backstretch at road Atlanta and a little bit into 10, but overall it was, yeah, it was a good, good junior cup, uh, day one. Uh, and we'll move on to super sport man. And I did not, I did not expect this. Uh, obviously I know Chavi is a phenomenal rider. Uh, I've went back and watched video on him cause I didn't know him too much coming into the year and he didn't do well in Daytona, man. I was, you know, shocked. He did so bad in Daytona and then he rebounded big at road Atlanta and <laughs> absolute monster on the brakes. Uh, he took the win. Tyler Scott was second. Josh Hayes. Uh, most of the guys in the tower, they mentioned how Josh uh, Hayes has always done really well at Road Atlanta. So I was kind of looking looking for more there with Josh. Obviously, podium is, I mean, it's phenomenal what he's still doing and finishing on the podium. But overall, Super Sport Man, what are your thoughts? What are your, what are your thoughts on that? Did, did that result surprise you at all? So a little bit. I... So Forrest is a dog, man. That guy's got tons of experience in the world championship. He's been around the world. He's raced with top, top level guys. So anytime you take a top level guy and you put him in, even though this is America's best, um, he's going to rise to the top. And, and honestly, me and Jason Primer always talk about it. You know, if you're a top level guy and you come from the world championship, nobody really has home field advantage. These guys learn tracks so quick and they understand things so quick that, um, they're they're pretty good but you will see i think that's a world championship thing his late breaking it seems like it comes from the world championship where uh they can they they just thrive on being the absolute latest breakers and you literally saw him being four five six bike lengths back and still getting it stopped down in and it never looked once to me that he was folding the front gonna run wide or gonna crash he looked in control the entire time in race one specifically uh i thought he didn't have the pace and he was very nervous if you watch the race you could clearly see he needed to lead the race when Hayes led the first, uh, he led one lap through, uh, turn one and through the first sector and pulled six tenths. Chavis, I think they either hit a lap or something. Well, he drafted back by, uh, Hayes and it was a late pass into 10 
got back to the lead and the pace dropped again. And they were kind of running 30s for most of the race. We were kind of saying it's a very slow super sport race to have. They dipped into the 29s late on. I was very, very surprised that Tyler Scott didn't do anything really in that race. I thought he would be more aggressive. I thought he was going to be the guy to beat this year. Uh, after seeing him last year, getting used to the 750, he didn't seem very overly aggressive, didn't really do much. And it really was, you know, Chavi, uh, Hayes and Mesa Mesa's, I think the biggest surprise out of me, the guy rides a ton of bikes all over the U S in multiple, uh, series in all around Cowies. I've seen him on anything. He's like that guy. But to see him kind of come through and get that ride with Titlers to have a, I think it's a Graves built uh, 636. Awesome to see him at the front. I think he really deserves it. He deserves a good chance on a good bike. And we can see his talents there. Um, lastly, I would say the Hayes thing to be disappointed. If you saw on the, on the, on the mile an hour sheet, you could see Hayes was down about five mile an hour. And this is that those new spec rules with the, uh, the new gen 600 rules and the R6 hasn't is kind of limited in that and they've been balancing they call it performance balancing with the ducati triumph suzuki 750 and the r6 is allowed more work but you can clearly see they're trying to allow the other brands to come in even though the yamaha i still think has better a superior chassis than all those bikes you can clearly see it's down on horsepower yeah and i'd agree i mean there wasn't you know, after Hayes, there was no one else the first, no other Yamahas in the top 10. I mean, Maziato got 10th, but he was 34 seconds behind, and and Maz is a good rider. So, yeah, and you mentioned Tyler Scott. I think his qualifying time, I think he was half a second quicker than the field. And I'm I'm up in the tower. I'm like, man, I think, you know, I, I think Ty's going to, if he gets out front, he could get away. And it's funny you mentioned the aggressiveness because coming from the dirt track side of things, he's the most aggressive dirt tracker i've seen in a long time like he does not give any fucks who you are he's got testosterone to the to the max and but on the pavement side of things he's super patient maybe maybe overly patient i'm like dude like uh you know it's he i don't know if if you know he's i don't know what it's just it's a way different riding style than he than he brings on the dirt so uh he looked phenomenal. I thought he had a really good shot to win, but every lap in the 10, Forez would just, he would go to the inside. He did it probably four or five laps in a row, and he would outbreak him to the inside going into that corner. In the last lap, I think I, I was I was thinking maybe Tyler would, you know, just drift down to take his line away because I don't think he would outbreak them to the outside. And uh no, it was just same thing. Forez just outbraked him and boom, boom, off the of 12 and took the win. So yeah, really good, really good result. Stefano, dude, every time I watch that guy, it's, it's impressive. Like he, you mentioned he, he rides every weekend races everywhere he can. He's collecting club racing contingencies. He's, he's probably got more contingencies from club races than anybody. Uh, he's just, and any bike he rides, he's always up there around the podium. And for him to be in contention with these three guys, I mean, you have Hayes, Tyler Scott, you know, and 
and uh, Chavi, that those are really good riders, and Stefano yeah. was right there. So I will say, dude, bro, I, I think I mean we saw it last year at New Jersey's when I saw Mace's name. Like he got on somebody else's six three six or his personal bike, and I saw him there because he was riding two classes, and he was at the front on a personal bike. And obviously, I know these the bikes he has now are a little bit better. Uh, maybe they're just brand new, or I, I'm pretty sure they're Graves bikes, and I know they're fast. I think he's uh, you know underrated. I think he's a lot better than what results have shown in the past. I think maybe it's down to equipment or not getting quite he's I mean at New Jersey last year he was changing his own wheels he's dirty this that and the other from changing wheels and stuff like that and I will say as well he looks lean so he's obviously putting in some work where he's you know taking it super serious getting the gig with Titlers um, and I think as well, just to kind of go back with you on the Tyler thing, I think I thought originally in the first race, like you said, with the, with the qualifying time and whatnot, I was like, oh, he's chilling. It's 19 laps. This race is like way too long. Anyways, he's waiting until lap 10 or whatever. And he's going to kind of like pull the pin or lap 15 and pull the pin. It just never came. And in race two, he, he just didn't quite, uh, grasp that he's going to have to do some blocking uh, to beat Forrest. I don't know if it would have worked anyways, because if he would have done it and then ran wide, Forrest was just going to do him in 12. But it definitely saw that Forrest had their number. And in race two, Forrest found the speed that he didn't have in, in the first race, in my opinion. I think he slowed the pace down, got to the front, ran the 30s, the high 29s, because that's what he had. And yeah. then in race two, you could clearly say they all found the pace. But Forez, I mean, he was a dog. Like they pulled away from Hayes in race two, kind of dropped the guy about it was seven tenths, eight tenths. And then as they started slowing down seven, eight laps into it, the pace came back to like 28 nine or 29 nines, 29 sevens. And Hayes was just doing 29 threes and fours and caught that group again. Started jump into into race two, but no, I thought okay. it was pretty. Yeah. I thought it was pretty impressive of what Hayes. I mean, we know Hayes is a dog, and he's. I mean, I think he was. He's that he just had a birthday recently, and I was like, wow, this guy's still crushing it, and he's got that kind of experience. But to see Scott more racing in race two is exactly what he needed to do. I just think Chavy had him at Road Atlanta, turn ten, turn twelve, and managing the rest and having speed down the back straightaway. That's really kind of job done, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I up in the tower, they had thought maybe that Forez Road. He was at Road Atlanta maybe fifteen years ago. There might have been a Suzuki Cup. Mm -hmm. I, I forget what they were saying. He might have some laps at that track, which which is never a bad thing for no. for those guys that you know have some memory of of that track. I mean, it's granted it's it's like almost two decades ago, but yeah, I, I think that was the biggest difference maker. And we might as well just jump in the race two. We talked about it a little bit, but race two as well. Uh, Tyler Scott faded a little bit at the end, and I did talk to him after before I left, and he mentioned he had a small minor mechanical problem that um, that kind of uh, was he he was dealing with in that race toward the end of the race. So uh, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to speak on what it was, but it wasn't anything major, just something he was dealing with. So, um, so that's, you know, we throw that factor in as well. Uh, day two trying to see here. Yeah. I mean, Chavi, once he got the speed in addition to the, to the braking, I mean, he was, yeah, when he, you could just tell he was starting to just gap him there. So, uh, overall super sport though, looks good, man. Michael Gilbert had a really good rebound. He's, he's been injured. He's coming back. He's on a way different motorcycle. He's usually a stock 1000 guy. 
jumped in super sport really cool to see him get i think he was he got two top fives which is is really really good start to his season t Cobbs, i think he'll be there all year he's uh obviously teammate of tyler scott uh a lot of a lot of good like good good riders in this class through throughout the list that uh cory ventura he had a big crash on on friday like pit, real big so it was cool to see him get out there and and get a top 10 uh Maziata we talked about so yeah i mean this this class is it's still it's still really good i mean you take heron out you put chavi in i mean it's still some really good some really good uh riders in this and the first day too we didn't talk about it but there was a lapper going to the finish that everybody oh, yeah. split i'm like no <laughs> like uh yeah road racing he almost too, lost man. he almost lost Jenny. no i i know i mean road racing you see lappers a lot more than than flat track um do are they when you're you probably haven't been lapped much but is there less of an awareness because you see a lot more guys that are like in the way it's like come on come on like like in flat track you like for me i always knew when if i was off the pace when they were coming around but road racing like the guys is it harder to get out of the way i mean i it's you know that you was just almost... get stuck you get stuck man because there's an apex right like in in dirt track if the, if everyone's running kind of the low line you can run high if they're on the high line you can run low or you can kind of get out of the way but there's an apex everywhere where if you're doing the times that they're doing you know low 29s high 28s i mean if you're two feet off that i mean you you could run off the track like there's so if they're at the wrong time at the wrong place it's very difficult the one thing i could say maybe a little constructive criticism i think tyler scott in race two could have got through the lappers better um, yeah, I agree. But I guess I'm on. I'm looking through the TV. He's on the track, and I'll tell you when you go that pace, man. It becomes a very, very one line at Road Atlanta. Um, so, yeah, that's a tough call. I think the blue flags are there. They're. I think I'm almost certain they were waving. Uh, you would think that you would want to be out of the way, but he was high. I mean, he was, it's, he's in turn 12. What are you going to do? You can't really slow down that much and roll <laughs> yeah. to the inside. You know what I mean? So like yeah. he was, I'm sure just trying to get out of the freaking way and was in the way. So I think it was crazy. What mentioned Michael Gilbert. I think that's a class. He rode super classy in the first race. He was there hanging on for a lot of laps. I, he's coming off a huge injury. I, I uh, hang out and ride with him at Chuck Walla during the off season. And he's, you know, really been off the bike a long time he said he was getting a little arm pump which is so normal at road atlanta and for him to be off the bike for as long as he is a year almost i mean you expect that so i think that he did great with two top fives run by um a couple of my friends they run that team so i'm stoked for that t Cobbs, i think we shot we saw the speed that dude had at daytona we know he's one for the future i'm stoked that he didn't crash and just put in his own laps because as soon as you throw these things away man your confidence get gets nicked a little bit so really good to see that uh maz i think is going to take just a little bit early on in the season to get up to speed he is super good once he gets in the group to stay in the group i think we just uh need to see him get that like start and get with those guys uh but other than that i think super sports going to be phenomenal this year i'm stoked uh Heron moved up, so it gives another little chance, a new champion, like we said. And the other thing is a little nugget. Speaking with Heron, he says that Ducat 
body is so good on tire life. It's actually hard to do like a qualifying lap on it because the tire, he, he says it drops, but it like has a, a little drop from a brand new one. And then it's just that like he goes third lap eight or lap 30. It just feels the same. And I think that's another reason why Chavi was really, really good day two. Um, I think he kind of figured it out. The more laps, the more kilometers he's putting on that bike, the more time he's getting. So, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be super cool, super sport. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know that about like the tire thing. And there's so much that goes into these the, the tires and and everything. Like it's something that I I'm not even going to pretend to know about the tires and tire wear and road racing. I mean, a lot of it is the opposite of what I've learned on the dirt. So it's uh yeah, that's really interesting as well. Uh, I want to make sure we shout out Indian motorcycle since 1901 Indian motorcycle has been the choice of riders who make their own rules. Check out a dealership near you test ride a bike, big supporters, American flat track, moto America, super hooligan racing, and much more. Uh, we'll get into Superbike. Uh, man, day one was, I didn't know we, if we would top, day one on day two, but we'll, we'll get into that. We, we certainly did, but day one, you know, going into this year, I, I will admit, I caught myself saying, man, I wish they were all on the same bikes, you know, cause I, I didn't expect it to be this close. And, and honestly, I don't know if many people did just because Gagne has been so dominant and it was really cool dynamic having cam back, having Heron move up. Cam Peterson looked really good last year Skoltz, uh, it, it seemed like it could have been a runaway just because Gagne was so good in qualifying. I didn't expect Cam to, to honestly be there. Um, but then, you know, it's like his racecraft coming back from Moto2. Quickly, though, I mean, Gagne got a really good start in that race, and he did a 23, like a high 23. And I'm like, man, he's getting away. He had like a 1.4 second lead on like lap two. And then all of a sudden Cam, Cam made runs at him. Cam was really good on the brakes in turn, turn 10, pretty much same, same spots of the track that Forez was good, good at Cam also was, was really good on the brakes. His bike looked, and he mentioned it, it it's, it's really fast. His bike looked really good. Um, and he, he won dude. I mean, obviously it was, it was a awesome race. Gagne, he, he's, they started, their time started dropping at the end. I mean, they were in the 25s. I, I don't know if it was like a few laps, but for sure they were consistently, at least for a couple laps in the 25s. And it allowed Heron and Peterson and Skoltz to kind of catch back up to that pack. And they never got there in time to really do anything with Gagne or Cam. But at one point, I think they were five, six, five, six seconds behind and they reeled in. I mean, Heron was only 1.9 away from the win at the finish. So really, really cool to see Cameron come back and win on that BMW. I think it it was the first win in Superbike for BMW in like 45, 50 years or something like that. It's been a freaking really long time. I mean, it's like it's like World War II, basically. Uh, not quite that long, but dude, it's been a it's been a fucking long time. And and Cam to get a win, dude. I, I mean, you probably have a lot more insight on this race than me. So, what were your thoughts on on Superbike? Um, I mean, the list of riders in it. Just walking the grid prior to that race, it's like, holy shit, man, we have some hitters in this race. Yeah. So it's in in my opinion. Sorry, I got my laundry going off. Right, can you hear that? The uh, in my opinion, I think uh, 
the time gaps between American road racing, especially Superbike, has been just too big for too long. And they've been snooze fest races, you know, like we've had a couple good ones, but it's not been very good. It's been kind of snoozy with Ganya usually checking out or previously somebody else and whatnot. We've had a couple good races in between there, but um I think everybody over the off season was just thinking Ganya is gonna run away with it again. The Yamaha's got the most data, this, that, and the other. Uh, you know, being close with Corey Alexander, which I think had two phenomenal races, uh, I kind of, you know, just am close. So I know that BMW, them getting the parts and stuff like that, they're doing a massive effort in Europe. So just didn't know where Cam was going to be. Do we rate Cam? Of course, that guy's, you know, five-time champ. Um, over in Moto2, I think he's got even more of a killer instinct from being in Moto2 and having some really big races. But let's just go right into race one. I think you could see it from lap one. They both knew the game plan. Uh, Cam used to do it on the Yamaha, was break the guys on lap one and then manage the race. Gagne did it for the last year. He would break those guys. And you could see both of them knew it was coming. And Cam knew in my opinion, knew he needed to lead and slow the pace down because I don't think before race one, I don't think he had the pace to run low 24s. And I don't know if Gagne did or not. Obviously, he didn't because we know that. But I think going into that race, they expected Gagne was going to be able to do a severe pace that Cam wouldn't be. Um, and you could clearly see it. In my opinion, I think Cam rode out of his freaking skin for six, seven laps of that race. You could see the bike all over the place. He knew he needed to catch. The race for Cam was to catch and pass Gagne and slow it down because the lap he, I'm pretty sure he did a mid-24, the lap before he caught him the and went around him into 10. Next lap, was like a 25 one and then they just lived like low our high 24s low 25s for like the rest of the race i mean they yeah, did a couple yeah. ones here and there but you can see cam knew he needed to be okay in sector one and he if he could lead onto the back straightaway he was phenomenal into 10 phenomenal into 12 and i mean job done that dude knows how to lead a race he's done it several times he's come back from, you know, probably the most killer class in motorsports, you know, Moto2. So I think he was ready for a fight. And I'm actually surprised. I'm surprised Gagne. I heard he had some arm pump. Think, arm pump. Super surprising from that guy to have arm pump. Uh, I don't know why. I don't know if he couldn't ride the way he wanted to when Cam led. Um, maybe just first race of the year. I, I, I'm not sure. We we got to remember we got new tires. They've tested them, but everyone's had limited time on the new tires, and that's a huge deal. Road racing is all about the tires, man. Like, you've got to build your entire bike around it. And I'll be surprised, man. I think it was really, really cool, and it sets up a, such a great storyline for Cam to win the first race on his way back to, to uh, Moto America. A little bit of a, a shot into Gagne's arm there, in my opinion, confidence wise but we know that dude as the year goes that bmw might not have the data and to, to continue to do what he does uh but moving back from there heron i'm actually 
super impressed with this ride. I th- was not rating him to be a third place guy and to battle for wins. I thought it was going to take him a little bit. We know Petrucci, Gucci was struggling last year to run the pace of Gagne. So why would we think Heron was just going to fix it? Um, maybe the tires help, but we know Heron has always been super talented on the motorcycle. You know, back when he was racing Josh Hayes on the Yamahas, Hayes had, I think, the most difficult time breaking that kid. Whenever he is so good at just latching on like a leech and sticking it and just like monkey see, monkey do. And, I mean, I give him a ton of credit. He's super talented, like I said. And you could see that bike super fast. Yeah, Um, yeah. And now I think it's year four, but year three with, uh, you know, having a lot of Ducati Corsa support, um, we can't write him off. You know, the guy won his one championship before. He knows what he needs to do. And it only takes a couple crashes here and there for a guy like that to just be picking up third seconds all through the year. I mean, he could be a championship guy. Campy, oh, Dude's so talented. He's got all the pace. He's knocking on the door all the time. You know, he's he's like right there. I think this is going to be a breakthrough year for him. I was a little disappointed in the beginning of the race, but we got to remember he came off a massive high side um, in either qualifying or practice. Coming out of 10B, the guy high-sided. His The visor off his shark thing off the back of his helmet like came off even before he hit the ground. I mean, it was a gnarly crash. So to see him just in that fight, I was really cool with. And then we got Schultz, who, I mean, that guy has just been there. He's like always there, always around. Hasn't quite just broke through yet of being like, I'm the guy to beat. Uh, I don't know what why that is. He's super fast. He's like I said, always there. Maybe at sometimes has some unorthodox crashes, you know, and warm ups and stuff that maybe knocks his confidence. But I think he's going to be there as well. And I know we go to tracks where he is so fast. So, I mean, I was I was pretty pumped with that superbike race. Uh, the two out front, Heron kind of chasing him down towards the end. Obviously, gave him a ton of confidence. And then the two behind, we've got other riders in there: Ashton Yates, Corey Alexander. The guy I was kind of surprised about that wasn't in that lead group is Tony. PJ. Oh, PJ. No. Okay, yeah, PJ. PJ. I mean, dude, yeah. at the end of last year, I thought he was the guy. I was like, he's going to step up. He's going to get another year continuity with the team. Um, and he'll be like a guy to beat. They got data and he just didn't, he was kind of off all weekend. Yeah. Don't know why. I don't know. I, I honestly have no idea why from the outside in just didn't look quite as comfy. Like towards the end of last year, he was like riding the crap out of that BMW really, really like legs off doing like kind of riding really loose. Like I know PJ can ride. Uh, and I was a bit surprised uh, that he he wasn't up there. He crashed, had a weird crash in the first Turn race. Turn one, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then you've got uh, the two M4 bikes, Poppy, Escalante. I think he did a solid weekend just building on that. Remember, this is his second year on a superbike, and having Tony in there. I don't know about Tony yet. I think that bike's a little outdated. I might be overstepping my myself with that, but – not sure how many upgrades that bike's had since the factories left. Um, M4 run an amazing program, but you know it takes some development, and development costs a lot of money. 
Don't know if they have quite the budget for all of that, but it seems like they're just off the pace with the new gen bikes. And I think Tony's going to continue to help build that package. And I really, really think him being um, Spanish and being able to talk to Richie in their native tongue, I think is going to help him a ton and to just give him the confidence to uh, get some better results and to move up and really help him learn. I think Escalante is going to have a huge year this year. And I think Tony's going to help him do that. Uh, you know, coming out of retirement for Tony, I think it's, I know he wants to win. I talk with him. He's got more fire than ever, but you know, you just in the back of your mind that he's been there. He's done that. He's racing every freaking class. There's, there's been, I mean, how, is he willing to to send it out on a, a bike that might not be able to do it? I'm not sure. And you got Ashton Yates and you got some other guys in there that uh, I think that the grid's a little light, but it seems more in depth as we get up. The, the quality is the, yeah. the quantity is low a little bit, but the quality is, yeah. is, is incredible. I mean, when you have a, a moto two champion mid pack, I mean, it's uh yeah, it's it race one was awesome. It really set us up for race two. A lot of good insight there, James. Appreciate appreciate the insight as well. Uh yeah, I mean, I was a little surprised by Tony being being I, I didn't think he'd have the pace of the top four or five guys, but he was 38 seconds behind in race one. And uh yeah, I think you said he'll obviously get a lot better. And going into some of these bigger tracks too, man, I, I think Cam Bobier, he's he's probably smiling because that BMW is probably, you know. He's probably going to be really good at road America, like the tracks where you can really stretch, stretch the legs out on those things. I mean, I think, I think he's in a pretty good spot right now. Um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about race two and where, where that's sitting here. Um, I want to talk about, uh, twins cup. I didn't get to see, I, I had some stuff going on, um, part of twins cup. I didn't get to see all of it, but, uh, race one, um, I think it was race one where we had a, we had a warm up crash, which was, <laughs> fucking weird <laughs> crazy i um you know and there we have so many camera angles and race control and not a single one got the angle all we got was them tumbling up over the hill and i'm like no way like they he's like red flag red flag and for people that you know in race control you can't say the word red so if you say the word red in race control you have to do three push-ups it's crimson so unless there's a red flag you have to say crimson crimson this the guy on the crimson bike, uh, everything is crimson. And they mentioned uh, red flag, and I popped my head up. I was like, "Wait, it's the warm up lap." So I don't know what happened. Uh, Jody Berry, high sided. I did reach out to Hayden Schultz because he was collected in it, and he kind of gave me a little rundown. I didn't know what happened if if somebody's bike blew up and he ran into him, but he pretty much just just said he high sided coming off a of turn turn five. Um, and and the bike like was on the track and and Hayden Schultz hit the bike and crashed so that was kind of a weird deal we had to clean that up and and get I uh, I don't think Joe Jody made the restart but uh but um, Hayden Schultz actually came back duct tape job on the on the front and and got a third out of it I know like, dude the hideous yellow duct tape on the front <laughs> I'm like all right well uh but dude he rebounded and got third so he's uh. I, I actually went down to the press conference for for something when they were in there, and and Hayden said he's man I've been been losing a lot of weight I've been working hard because he's a bigger kid and 
He's like, I'm, I'm really trying to put the effort in this year and, and it shows. And, and then he gets taken out on the warm-up lap of the, uh, of the start of the season. So that was, that was a little goofy, but, uh, it was a pretty good race up front. Uh, Rocco broke, which honestly sucked for Rocco cause he was so fast, but it made for a good race between Blake Davis and Gus Rodeo. And, uh, I've watched Gus literally come up since he was a kid in New Jersey and, he was a little punk when he was younger, but he's come a long way and in his riding and his racecraft. And and it was cool to see him battle. Blake Davis, man, he's kind of a sleeper for me. He's a real quiet kid. He he doesn't, you know, post much, nothing flashy. He's just he's just really good. Every time he rides, he he actually really impresses me. And and uh, you know, he he grabbed the win on that first day. So um, yeah, like I said, I didn't get to see all of Twins Cup, but but that was a that was a good race, James. You have any insight on on twins cup i mean i know you were in that class last year a little bit so yeah it's it's a pretty savage class um gus rodeo moving up from the junior cup last year to be honest i mean i think he's i didn't uh i had him i think he's underrated a little bit i didn't rate him to be a winner in daytona right away and to be just there and be the guy to be to beat um, I thought it was going to take him a little bit. He seemed to be hit or miss in junior cup for some odd reason. Uh, but the dude is crushing it. And the more I get to know him, the more I like him, he's super cool. And yeah, he definitely seems like he's lost a little bit of that punk attitude. And yeah, I, I really think the kid is, is really good and talented. I am so surprised on the Rocco thing. I think it's awesome that the guy got an opportunity he literally won super sport races last year and doesn't have a ride and can't get a ride. And we know how expensive it is. So really cool that he was able to fill in there and instantly, like, I mean, dude, absolutely destroyed the lap record. We know Rocco's corner speed is immense. He's got more corner speed than I think anybody. Uh, and yeah, super shame for race one for him not to be there. And yeah, Schultz, I know that program. Those are the bikes I rode last year. Gene Burcham builds them, and those motors are fast. And for him to rebound, like you said, after a crash, that kid's just – I think he's a little underrated. He's always fast. He's always in the top three in all the practices, but just has had some dumb mistakes where it's kind of just sent him out of the championship. So I'm really hoping that – uh, you know, the grind he's talking about and he gets a little luck on his side this year and hopefully maybe, you know, crashing, getting back up and getting that third could be the championship deciding factor. Uh, but we'll know, we'll know soon enough. I think the twins club class is an amazing class for the kids that are get, getting up and going. Cause you can kind of feel of a big bike, like a super sport build, but doesn't quite have the power. And uh, yeah, Davis, guy is amazing i rode behind him at new jersey last year very very uh you know metronome in the way he's just he clicks laps off he's super good he's super consistent the guy came from a huge deficit last year and won the championship so i, I think, think this class gonna... is wide open dude like as yeah, far as championship goes after these yeah it's I, what we've seen it's pretty wide open how about stefano getting fifth in twins cup but like on the podium in super sport. I mean, it's, it kind of just shows how competitive the twins cup class is with the bikes and the teams. And it's not what it's not the twins cup. It was when we started a few years ago. I mean, it's, it's, it's really leveled up to uh it's, 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 a, it's like a serious thing now, man. Like it's, it's cool to see the, 
the development in that class. Dude, um, those twins bikes are worth more than some super sports bike out there. It's crazy how it's grown into this crazy builders class, but Stefano, I mean, I know that feeling. I think you've got to be kind of a twin specialist, man. There's certain things that these guys do because like when you go up to big bikes and ride thousands and 600s, you can't get away with some of the stuff you can do on these twins bikes, like be off apexes and be wide and, you know, carry Uber's amount of, uh, corner speed and not hit an apex or be off the curbs like you just can't do that in super sport and, and on a thousand really so i think they get away with it and it's very hard to learn it back i think he did an amazing job at daytona and to step in again for kayla yakov he's got the the knee injury leg injury um i think he's doing such a good job but i think he will see at atlanta damn like I'm getting hurt by learning how to ride the bigger bikes correctly and it hurts you on the twins. And that's exactly what I felt. It was yeah. tough. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a good race one. Uh, we'll talk about day two. We'll get into it. Uh, man, I love, I love, I love there being two days in Moto America. Like it's day two is such a, it's such a, I don't know. I just love it. Cause it's day one sets you up for day two. And it's just, I love that aspect of road racing. You get so many races and that's something about Moto America that, that I, I really enjoy is, you know, day one. And then it's like, Oh, we get to do this again tomorrow. We get more racing. And, and a lot of the riders too, like as a rider, I liked it as well. If you have a bad day one, you come back and, and, you know, have a chance of redemption for, you know, the, the drive home on day two. Uh, you know, that's something that I, I, I always like double headers and it's, it's just a really cool, cool aspect of the sport i want to make sure we shout out dunlop motorcycle tires 19 inch, 19 inch 17 inch flat tire flat track tires off-road street check out their website dunlopmotorcycletires.com they're the the tire sponsor for moto america american flat track they do so so much for the sport where uh we really appreciate them supporting the podcast um so we'll get in the junior cup it was the same same results for for top three as the as the first day demario he crashed on the final lap. I think he was dicing it up with Max Van for second, and uh, and he went down. Uh, Rossi Moore, the like the kind of kid that I heard about, he I think he had a mechanical. He didn't even start the second race. So yeah, Junior Cup. You know, it was like I said earlier, big weekend for Avery Dreyer. Uh, he double wins. He, I mean, that's max points. So that's that's good for him and his championship. Uh, kind of what he's shooting for going into. I guess we'll get right back in the stock 1000 man and Caleb. So that race actually, Ezra got another win. He doubled up, which is, uh, he won up, he won up his brother. <laughs> he, uh, Cam didn't get the double win, but, uh, but Ezra did. And, uh, Caleb, uh, DeCaro was actually there most of the race. And, you know, I think last lap he ran off. It was hard to see, but he, he was turning around in 12 there in that runoff. I think he just ran off the, the track in the last corner. So, so that was super weird, but it opened up the door. Jeff May, his last race, finishing second. And Taylor Knapp, dude, it was cool to see him get a get a podium in Stock 1000. Taylor Knapp, uh, Travis, Wy Travis Wyman fourth. Caleb came back and got fifth. Uh, I mentioned Hayden Gillum. He salvaged some points in the second race. He was sixth. Uh, Nolan Lampkin, uh, he's a pretty nice kid. I just met him over the weekend. He was up there uh giannato jason waters uh he had a tough weekend after we'll talk about that after this race but yeah double wins for ezra what is uh i'm just kind of curious on like that class and for for somebody like ezra riding for a small team 
does he walk out of there double wins with like a decent paycheck? Like, how does that work with contingency and things like that in, in that class? I mean, I don't know how much, you know, but I mean, that's probably obviously solid weekend for him. Right. Yeah. And I, I know hit that team's funded pretty well. Um, they, the gentleman out of Chicago, I know that they've got a pretty good budget. I know they're putting a lot into those kids, um, training wise and getting them ready and everything. So I'm, I would assume that they have some bonus structure, the BMW money. I would assume it's pretty good. I think there is some contingency. I don't know how good that is. There's a lot of BMWs like, yeah, I mean, What's, we'll do Corey. Once Corey destroyed every almost every lap record, it's like people are buying the Alpha bikes, and there's support. I know Steve Weir; he runs some electronics around there. There's some support from BMW. There's the you know everybody is trying to get on that, and BMW have got a great ecosystem, in my opinion, for their racing, and that they really do try to support people that are gonna run their product. They will provide some sort of support, and especially if you're a top dog and you're gonna run. I mean, it's it's gonna be, you know, they they enjoy that and they they support it. So, I uh, I would expect him to have some. I mean, he's Cam's little brother, so. I'm sure they talk on contracts and that that things. I know Cam's got Zemke in his corner with the Watts group. I'm I'm pretty sure. So I would assume he's got some counseling and didn't get a horrible deal. But again, even just if you've got a decent deal, um, having a, a bike that can win and coming out just for his confidence, I mean, there's a way for him to, to go up. I mean, he's got the last name and now he's getting results and the lap times and whatnot wants to get a little closer. I mean, he'll be a shoe in for somewhere. So well, now he's a championship he, points leader, you know, and Hayden Gilm exactly. having a bad race. He's he's set up really nice for the rest of the year. And he proved last year that he can run these other tracks as well. It's not like he's a road Atlanta specialist, you know? So he's, 100%. yeah, yeah. So that's, that's cool to see. I wanted to kind of backtrack a little bit. We, I was going to talk about baggers at the end, obviously that's the class you're in. So I was going to get some hogs bully insight about the hog, but um, we'll just talk about the baggers now. Actually, we'll just kind of talk about both days. Uh, Kyle Wyman, honestly just dominated. Like it was, it was one of them things where it kind of made the race boring, kind of like super, super bike spin with the last few years. I mean, he got out front and, and just nobody could really match pace the, the, how smooth he looked on that bike. I mean, the bike's fast, but he, he flows with it really well. He's really smooth on it. And they, they've really done a great job with, with that bike. Um, you know, I know they, I think he had a clutch issue or something in the, in the challenge race, which was won by Tyler Hare. You were a close second in the challenge. Um, but in the first race, O'Hara just didn't have the pace. Um, 3.9 seconds behind Hayden Gillum. Uh, Fonger was, Fonger was up there. I did go back and I didn't see the last corner in that deal. I was doing something. I don't know what the hell I missed. Like one of the most epic last corners of the fucking weekend initially, but I went back and watched it and, Bobby sent it in there on 12 and I thought he was a little nice, honestly. Like I think he could have probably ran it in and just probably made contact or pushed Tyler wide. And, and he, you know, he was pretty, and because Bobby's aggressive, but it was pretty, he kind of pulled back on a little bit and actually cost him, I think cost him two spots really. So uh, Bobby finished fourth. You had front row seats to that and you kind of moseyed back in fifth. Travis Wyman, I was a little shocked to see him kind of, that far off of Kyle. I mean, they're on, I would think similar bikes and he was, he was the Wyman brother with a mathematical shot at the championship last year. I know Kyle had some mechanicals and what have you, but 
uh, he wasn't really in the mix. And then even farther back, guys like Jake Lewis and Corey West. I mean, these are really, really good riders. And the pace that the guy you guys are doing at the front is just, it's really underrated. Um, and, you know, you, you go down, you watch, you guys throw those bikes around and, and it's, it's, it's actually insane. So, um, you know, and then I, I want some, obviously a lot of insight from you on the baggers, but, uh, race two was just kind of similar deal. Um, kind of Wyman got out front O'Hara. He looked really good at the start of the race. He looked like he was dicey. He had some life in him. Um, I've done a podcast with Tyler and he said he hates, he hates getting beat by Kyle Wyman. So I know the Indian Harley thing, that dynamic is super fun. Uh, I love walking down to the hot pit and seeing both tents side by side, full <laughs> fucking crews. Like they, there's more crew members in those pits and, and the super bike crew. Like, I mean, it is, it is full on Tyson versus Holyfield gloves off. And it's a really fun thing to see. Uh, I love that dynamic of the bagger class right now. Um, but Tyler, he, he ran off the track in 10 kind of fought it just, that was it. Like he just, he, I think he had a shot cause his pace was there. I, if not as good, maybe slightly better. I'd have to check the lap times, but it was really cool what he did in 10, but like going off the track, he had that fucking thing completely sideways. Uh, I hope someone got a photo of it. It was probably a sick photo, but he ran it off the track. Fonger went off the track. You were up there early. You, you struggled a little bit both days, honestly, toward the end of the race. It looked like the bike was doing chat. It was chattering. It just looked like you struggled a little bit toward the end of the race both days. Um, Hayden got fourth. You were fifth. Nick Williams rebounded from day one, sixth. But yeah, dude, let's let's get some bagger insight. Coming to the track, like that upper section turns, I think it's three, four where the, they used to run around that chicane area. It's tight. And even turn 12, it's gotta be really tight on a bagger. So just some insight on your deal, the race itself and the track. Yeah, man, it's specifically talking about it. It's super tight one with all the riders. I mean, the fact that we're doing thirties on baggers is insane around there. Uh, I think in 2000, 11 when i won the race there against jake lewis we we're only doing 31s on 600 so it's super crazy to see the the pace we're running and it's obviously making it a lot more difficult the the caliber of riders is there uh and yeah i mean road atlanta itself on baggers is wild so for myself you know, personally, the the races weren't very good. I struggled with the bike and just getting that last bit of comfort that I had last year. Um, you know, and to be honest, Hayden actually did a little bit better job on the same equipment as me. Uh, so that's, you know, just put my stuff aside there. I think the class itself is really taking it. And to see, I think it's hilarious that Moto America puts Harley and Indian right next to each other. I think like you said, there's, it's like there's 30 people on each side of the tent and they give them like 10 by twenties and like everybody's crammed in there. And it's like Indian Harley. And every time they go out, we go out and it's like this huge just ordeal. And I mean, it makes such a great story. It's so good for How's it. the temperament. And like, or the, is there, can they get along? Do they talk at all? I mean, is it, they don't talk. Nobody talks. I mean, <laughs> between them two teams, I feel like I'm Switzerland. I'm in and out of both teams, but, but I know everybody uh, from the dirt, obviously SNF Dean Young and, and those guys over at Indian. And then I know Harley because I was, 
you know, one of the guys keeping the Indians off the podium last year. So I've gotten to know the Harley guys really well. Obviously, I'm Team Harley, and I want to smoke everybody. But at the end of the day, we, we need a Harley winning. So um, it is interesting to see the dynamic. They The teams don't speak to each other. Uh, and it's quite interesting that both Tyler and Kyle, the guys with, you know, the most amount of time and the guys that pretty much have developed these two motorcycles for everybody else to ride are, you know, the guys going for it at, you know, at road Atlanta specifically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy too, because Kyle and Tyler, they go back to the XR 1200 days and, and battling and, and it's crazy too, like like they're good riders on these bikes. Like they've obviously been successful in other classes, but there's something about riding a bagger that's just different. I mean, if you took somebody from Superbike, like the top riders, how do you think they would do on a bagger compared to Tyler and Kyle? Because they ride the bagger as good as probably anybody can ride those things. I mean, it's their pace, the the name versus the pace. I mean, they're they're hauling ass. And people are like, oh, you know, it's I think they they're a little bit underrated um, based on how well they ride those bikes. Would you agree? Yeah, a thousand percent. I mean, you know they're going to be there. Those guys would learn it. But take somebody like Jake Lewis came from a superbike last year, and uh, I mean he's 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 told everybody he's like, man, the, you got to really ride these things, and uh, it's tough. I mean, he got faster at the end of the weekend, got dipped in the thirty ones there, so that was really good for him. But you know, him specifically just saying, hey, these things aren't. He thought he was going to jump on the thing and just be right at the front. I mean, we're pushing the pace, man. Like every weekend lap record gets broken for the last three years. So I, I, I definitely don't think they get everyone gets the, you know, the name, but I will tell you, dude, talk Campy, Gagne, uh, you know, all Heron, everybody on a super bike goes, F that. Fuck that, man. I'm not riding. <laughs> I ain't riding that thing. You guys are going way too far fast. It can pee. I think it was we were talking and he goes, he goes, man, I was I can't I can't even watch you in sector one. We went up there and I was like, I can't fucking watch this. You guys are gonna crash. <laughs> so I think yeah, they respect it, but yeah, it, it's one of those deals, man. Dude, I don't know, man. I don't know if you noticed it, but I see a lot more bagger fans rolling through the rolling through the gate now, man. And it's I never fully noticed it until this weekend. They had the parade at the end of the at the end of the day. How many street bike baggers, road clides, and just challenge everything I seen, man. It was it's it's no it's people can say what they want about that class, but it's working. I mean, there are a lot of fans that come to watch you guys ride those bikes. And I've been a bagger guy, dude. I've been fucking pushing baggers for since I saw them ride. And and it's 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 no it's it's working. So it's it's cool to see. Um, I want to get into, we have two more, two more classes here. A twins cup day two was kind of uneventful. Rocco just rockoed. I mean, he literally just checked out, uh, Gus and Hayden were, were second, third. Um, but super sport, we talked about that already. Um, kind of setting us up for super bike race two, which when we'll finish the pod on that, honestly, we talked about it earlier in the show, but probably the, one of the best races, I've ever seen. And, and honestly, after day one, I heard Gagne had arm pump, which I thought was weird. Is that common? Like you mentioned that road Atlanta, it's, it's common at that track. I've never heard anybody getting arm pump in road racing. And granted, I don't have a lot of time in the paddock, but I thought that was interesting. And I don't know if, if Gagne's ever had that issue. Is that common? I mean, that, that was kind of, oh, it's common. really? Okay. 
Yeah, no, it's super common, like through all the world championships, Moto America, BSB, um, anywhere you have a track where you got to remember you're doing so much with your right arm, right? You're grabbing the brake. And then as soon as you release the front brake, you're hundred, like you're getting on the gas. And then here you got to continue to pull yourself up on those super bikes, trying to get over the front and yeah you just get worked it's like going to a moto track man and uh, you can you can only train so hard for it and specifically in road racing you can't really train for it in the aspect that you can't ride like you can't ride yeah, road Atlanta all the time yeah. you know what i mean you can't go ride your superbike all the time where it's like moto you can go ride your practice bikes and whatnot and and get there so super common there's a ton of guys in the circuit that have the arm pump surgery um and still get it so I noticed like the first time I ever went road racing on a mini bike, I didn't get arm pump, but I like my right arm from just the, like you mentioned, you're on the throttle so much for so long. I got like fucking like carpal tunneling in my right arm. Uh, I remember yeah. it, it was so bad the next day I couldn't even ride. Like I, I was, a, I was at the Heron compound and I couldn't even ride the second day. My, my right arm was so like I felt like I had carpal tunneling in my right arm. I couldn't turn the throttle. So, uh, yeah, that, that's interesting. I, but with that being said, like I saw on the, on the times the first day, Gagne did a 23, eight, and then like the pace just slowed down. So I figured, you know, he probably, if he didn't get arm pump again, I, I thought he could get out front and, and do his thing. And, and, uh, that wasn't to be, it was an absolute dog fight from start to finish Heron got in the mix. Skolty was right there. Um, before we get to the finish, man, two bikes caught on fire during the race. Um, the Jason waters, his bike would literally, I, I don't know if you saw the social media, I'm sure you've seen it, but the fans, if, if you haven't seen it, go on Moto America. Um, the bike was leaking gas and I don't think the marshals saw, which it's kind of weird. I, you could smell it, I'm sure. But it was leaking out the tank and they went, went to pick the, they're trying to pick the bike up and the thing just ignited on fire. They couldn't get it out. They, they went through multiple canisters of, uh, extinguisher trying to get it out. It kept lighting back up, you know, it, and I feel, I feel for, for that guy. Um, I don't know if he's part of a team or if it's his own bike. It, I think it's his own bike. Probably, uh, it, it burnt, like it burnt to the ground. Like it was toast. Uh, so, so that was crazy. Uh, I've never seen anything like that. It was literally on fire for like 10 minutes. They could not, it had four people trying to get the fire out. And then Cam Peterson's bike up that right-hander. I mean, it just lit on fire. Um, it just fucking lit on fire. And then he, he jumps off the bike, leans it up and and jumps off and, and they put that fire out successfully. But what is that? Is, I've never seen two bikes like that. I mean, I don't know exactly what happened, but, uh, well, the first bike, obviously it was just leaking out the tank, but I don't know what happened with cam's bike. I don't know if you have any insight, but that was crazy. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the first year that there's been three bikes on fire and preseason <laughs> testing, um, something had malfunctioned with Skultz's bike at, uh, but oh, I saw that. Yeah, just lit on fire. So this is the third bike that's lit on fire. I think it's insane. Um, I was only watching the TV, and I honestly was like, do these guys not have a fire extinguisher that's going to let this thing freaking burn? I would have been pissed. But you say that they had multiple trying to put it out and couldn't do it. I know they brought that truck around and tried to do it, brought the forklift around and whatnot to try to get this thing out, and just was like, nah, man. It was like one of those blowout candles. It, was, it just kept lighting up. So Cam P... I think he said something happened um, 
with the engine just went pop and just lit. So I don't know what quite happened with it. I didn't get any specifics on exactly what that was, but it, that was insane. He literally was right in the middle of turn one and you're just starting to get to a hundred percent throttle. And I think just went boom. And uh, luckily he got off that. That could have been bad too. That could have been dude, way so worse. bad. He could have been, he could have been, I mean, if that was, just i mean this is speculation i have zero i don't know what happened but imagine if that was a battery or something and that like acid and whatnot it's just crazy oh yeah 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 for sure um but it set it set us up for a really good finish and you know just i didn't know how it was going to play out i mean obviously everything we saw in race one i thought bobier had the upper hand just with how good he was on the brakes and then being good on the brakes and having you know the horsepower off the corners I thought he was setting himself up really well. And that was a crazy last lap. Heron was there the whole time. And once Heron got into the mix, you kind of saw some dog in him. Like he, I'm sure he was really hungry um, to, uh, to get a win, just moving up in the class kickoff weekend, his home track. You could kind of see like at the end of race one, him catching the, the dog in him came out for race two and he is very dicey. Like he, He's aggressive. He gets some flack for being aggressive, but you know, I, I didn't see anything out of line in that event, in that race, the final lap, uh, they made contact coming down. I guess it's coming down into 10. They made contact. Um, and Heron almost went off the track in a very sketchy part of the track. I mean, they're going 180 there. He was probably four to six inches, um, from going off into the grass full stick brought it back and then he went in the turn i didn't know what happened going into into that left but he fucking damn near t-boned uh everybody like he just it's 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 a testament to how how aware these riders are and how good they i mean for him to run off the grass that fast too and save it was it dude it was it was a stressful last lap but it kind of ruined Bobier's chances at breaking, uh, outbreaking Gagne back in the 12 because he had to check up. Skolti dipped in there. I mean, it was an absolutely chaotic last lap, but it set up. And I guess from what I read, I guess when Heron, I guess he lost his brakes, right? He tank slapped and, uh, you know, wiggled the pads or whatever. He didn't have brakes into that corner. So that could have been, there was a lot of moments there that, that could have been really bad. And just, phenomenal race Gagne got I, he said he you know he felt like he got a little lucky with that one but you got to be there to to win these races and anything can happen um but damn that was an awesome race and it's setting us up for a really good season imagine if camp camp didn't have his issue like we could have had five guys there so that was crazy yeah and and we had three different manufacturers you know yamaha ducati and bmw uh is unreal i mean bsb's got really good diversity with manufacturers and the rest of the world's figuring out with moto uh sorry world superbike it's now moto america's turn to kind of get it get it going and now that we've got really good caliber riders on everything not saying we did before because that's 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 rude for the other riders but um i would say now it's just different uh, with the, the riders that come in, some have chips on their shoulders, some are getting on different bikes, better bikes, this, that, and the other. It's making it really good. I agree. If Camp, he didn't have that, I think he would have been in that fight. Um, you could see the 
that from day one to day two, I think that Yamaha found some speed. I don't know where they did. Maybe they, they turned her up a little bit, but Gagne wasn't that slow in the draft. He was able to stay there and have at least have a shot. Um, that Ducati, I think, is even faster than the BMW if or just the BMW is just spinning all the way down the straightaway. It's quite wild uh, to see. But the, I, I've heard through obviously talking with Corey and whatnot, some of the reason why Cam's getting away with the B, you know the BMW a little bit and so fast on it, it's it's because he has that corner speed and some of that Moto Two ish carrying big big corner speed. He's kind of getting away with the stop start on the BMW and kind of blowing through that uh electronical issues that I, that they're having in the world championship facing the factory guys over there they they struggle with the electronics um just getting the quite the, the grip like the actual drive almost it's like uh for people that watch dirt track the xg versus the indian they just they don't quite have they got plenty of horsepower and if they're on asphalt you know, like in a dead straight race, they would probably win. But when you're coming out of these corners, you need that specific drive grip. It's tough. And Cam B is really, he's got a ton of corner speed and he carries a lot and he doesn't, uh, you know, just slam the throttle on like Gagne. Gagne like really turns it, rides a Casey Stoner, picks that thing up and drives out of there. And I think those two styles don't lend themselves to each other when you're racing against each other. So, Going into that last lap, man, I remember I went and got changed on the bagger. I went and got my gear on because I was like, I got to watch this race. Like, I can't. I can't go back late. And I'm so glad I did. The whole race was entertaining. But you could see before they come down into 10, um, Heron did an amazing job of getting a great run on the back of Cam. And he actually goes by him. Uh, alongside of him because cam was protecting the inside because you want to protect the inside and then through the king start inch and left and you want to get to a point where you kind of block it and then move back right to come into turn at 10a and cam was just hugging that right side because he was like i want anybody comes around me i want to come around me and i don't honestly thought he thought it was going to be uh gagne over heron in my opinion um and I, I don't know if their winglets touched, but Heron yeah, turned winglet. in. Yep. Yeah, and Heron turned in and just bounced off of it. I will say, dude, Heron, freaking, I commend you, brother, because I was yelling. I was like, oh, because I, I mean, if he would have ran off there, dude, dude, game over, Red Rover. That guy, I mean, he's got to somehow figure out how to get through the gravel traps and keep it upright in a G out on dirt, gravel, grass, and then jump the road. So I am so freaking thankful he stayed on the track there and then knocking your pads out going 186 miles an hour or whatever they're freaking doing around there. I mean, he did a great job of not just absolutely cleaning. Uh, I think it was Cam, Cam or Schultz, one of the two, cleaning was, them out. It was like so almost great. ran in the back of Gagne. And then he, yeah, he, I think yeah. he split Gagne and Cam, uh, that's what it was. Yeah, I was it was. Yeah, it was bad. And then he takes off into the grass. Probably dude. he still was probably going a plus a hundred mile an hour <laughs> through the grass. Dude, it's insane what how they did it. Um, yeah, I think Cam maybe a little bittersweet on that one, not winning it. But honestly, I think the guy's over the moon. Uh, you know, Gagne into the last corner, twelve, just had it. I mean, he just he 
I think they everybody knew that was just going to be it. And Schultz got a got a got a podium there. So and he was there. I mean, we can't forget like he was there. He made a couple big moves. He was just off the back of the race, like just off uh that pack i would say like you know half a bike length not really being able to make a move i heard him say something early on in race one saying that they didn't have a ton of time and i know at buttonwell they had a couple opportunities and the weather was shit so i know specifically their team doesn't have a ton of ton of time on the new tires so he mentioned that that was some of the big issues early on in race one and then you could see in race two they figured it out so I think Superbike's going to be freaking epic all year. I can't wait for Cam P to be in there. I can't wait. I hope it's five riders the whole year. And hopefully, you know, PJ, Corey Alexander, uh, shout out to him in race two, keeping PJ honest, you know, first year on the Superbike. Poppy, Escalante, good job, Tony. Uh, And then a little bit bummed with uh, Hayden again. He said that they've been trying some a new swing arm for bsb and it's it, it has a new electronical uh the way i don't know he's, he was saying that their electronics they were struggling a little bit and in superbike if you don't have electronics you're dead ashley yates following up and a few of the other guys so hopefully they they get some more riders in there and i know at some of the races the superbike cup which is super stock bikes are allowed in there so that that field will deepen out uh, and I just, I hope we, we get six guys, seven guys at the front at a few of these races, especially like road America, maybe Alexander can, can sniff a draft and, uh, you know, maybe be in that front group. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. And Corey, obviously he's really good at road America. I know I've seen him, you know, get really excellent results there in multiple classes and, you know, it's, it's going to be good. We have Barber up next, as far as the, most of these classes will be, be a barber. Uh, I'm not, I got to check the class structure. I know most of them, if not all of them will be a barber. So that's, it's going to be great. I'm, I'm excited for barber. I've never been the barber. That's going to be a good one. Um, appreciate you, man, taking, taking some time to come on and, and give the dude a lot of great insight. I learned a lot just in this pod, man. So appreciate you coming on. You have with you and Corey are doing the pipe dreams podcast, people that are tuning in to our podcast, make sure you go on and subscribe to them. They're on YouTube sound or not uh youtube spotify uh all the major places you can find your podcasts you guys have some really good ones coming up i don't know you probably can't tease too much but you've had joe roberts you've had you've had kayla you've had briar myself which was uh, a really fun podcast man i appreciate you letting me come on as well and you, you and Corey, what you guys are doing is uh is really awesome and you guys have some really good guests coming up so um yeah, man, I appreciate you coming on and taking some time. I know you're probably, I'm tired. I just got home like literally an hour before we did this from, uh, from Road Atlanta. I'm sure you're shot just, uh, riding all weekend. So it's, uh, definitely appreciate it. Appreciate you coming yeah. on. Dude, no worries, man. Hopefully maybe we can do a couple more of them. I enjoy it. I like talking about this stuff. I, I, I watch a lot of the racing. I watch tons of racing, so I really, really enjoy it. Um, cheers for for the shout out on the pipe dreams seriously guys go check out we did Corey uh cory um 
texter your pod came out a few weeks ago really really good for a lot of people that didn't i know you don't want to talk yourself up too much but for a lot of people that don't Corey tells us some great great things about his childhood and and racing and i think it's you know you did a great job there we just released briars and just to tease people we got sam lowe's uh in the pipe we did a podcast with him uh thank you for allowing me to shout out our podcast and i, I really think Dude, yours is really good. And the more people, the more people we can get talking about this sport, man, you know, and and listening and watching and flat track and road racing would be better for us and for the younger generation to, to hopefully continue it as a career. Yeah, I agree. I think it's something that we need more of and a rising tide raises all ships in in this aspect. And Supercross and Moto and you know, all those different forms of motorsports, they have multiple, multiple shows and I can just get hours and hours. I can never stop listening to Supercross podcasts. And for you guys to come on board when you told me you were doing it, I was super stoked. And your product is is top of the line product. And you guys put a lot of work into it. So if you can go on YouTube, uh, type in Pipe Dreams Podcast and, and check out what they're doing. But appreciate you, man, as always, for, for your insight, taking the time to come on. We got to do dinner out there. I, that was uh, really, really cool. I had a lot of fun. Your dad is, your dad is just... <laughs> Illinois, man. I, I love that, uh, that, that nickname for him. And his dude, he was texting me the next day. I don't know if he told you, he's like asking me uh, questions. I'm like, yeah, let me get some, in, let me get the insight for you, Phil. Like, uh, so I went up and he got him the insight. So it's, it's actually really cool. Um, you know, being able to kind of being part of the the paddock and, and, you know, helping the riders. I truly enjoy being at these Moto America races. Everybody there makes me feel welcome chuck and wayne and richard and nicole and the entire staff they give me a lot of um a lot of like confidence to do my my job and we have mini cup coming up in two weeks carolina motorsports park really excited about mini cup but yeah we'll keep these re rewind pods going if you can subscribe check us out on soundcloud soundcloud itunes spotify um want to make sure we shout out moto america for sponsoring the podcast Jerry Stinchfield, Roof Systems of Dallas, Texas, Commercial Industrial Roofing Company with nearly 40 years of experience. Check out his website, commercialroofsystems.net. Yamaha Motorsports and Yamaha Racing. Check out their website, yamahamotorsports.com. They had a really good weekend winning Twids Cup on a Yamaha, winning uh, Gagne got the win on day two. They had a lot of success over the weekend as well. And uh, Manscaped, 20% off free shipping worldwide. Use the code TANKSLAP20. That's a wrap, big dog. I was uh, a little longer than I thought, but a lot of good info. We could probably talk to another hour, but appreciate you coming on, dude. And uh, you going to be any any PAX days coming up or what, what's your plans before Barber? You guys aren't at Barber, are you? No, 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 we're not. We don't race at Barber, but I might be there just Uchio with uh, Alexander. And I don't know, who knows? Maybe I might come over and dip over and see your motor, your mini cup thing. But yeah, dude, ton of packs. I got to get into a little bit of grind. I'm going to ride a lot of bicycling. I did 18 today, like I said you know, really getting into golf big time. Uh, Kyle kind of kicked my ass there on the back nine when we played at Chicopee. So I'm coming for him. I need to need to put him in there and, and get another win straight up with Kyle. So we got, we got a bone to pick, but other than that, dude, I'm definitely, I love these things. Thank you so much for bringing me on. And uh, yeah, man, let, let's just keep it going. All right. It's a wrap guys. Until next time we out.